welcome one and all to Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. Come on in, folks. Grab yourselves a drink. Tonight we are setting sail for rather an interesting topic this evening. Let's get down to it. Um, the topic this evening is something that's been on my mind for the past couple of weeks, and it's on respecting the rights of one and all. And I think that is an interesting question because let's face it, I think when it comes to establishing a, a well-oiled society, they must come, you know, you know, must come trade-offs, sacrifices and com- and compromises. But with that being said, there is always going to be a point where we are going to be at odds on what rights can be established amongst individuals. So I must ask a question from one and all. At one point, does the person um, no longer respects the right of another individual it's an interesting thought to me because I think with a person's conviction their own personal conviction there comes to a point where you will be at a crossroads between what you believe and what you believe is right and someone else's beliefs and what they believe is right. If you're more on the live and let live sort of person, then the argument would be as long as they're not hurting them, then you know their rights should be respected and that's fair. But then there are those who believe that their rights or their beliefs supersedes above yours and therefore they may try to either convince you that that is indeed the case or they may go extreme and enforce those their very beliefs upon you we've seen that in our country play it out over and over again since its inception so it's no stranger to us but just exactly how when does that intend to occur amongst us individuals and in what way is that justified well Going back to the root of your original statement, the, the philosophy, at least in America, has always been, as far as rights are concerned and freedoms, your rights and my rights end where your face begins, and vice versa. So there's always been this this at hand, the at arm's length belief when it comes to <clears throat> administration of rights and freedoms in our country. And for the most part, as long as there's mutual understanding, those rights tend to be even-handedly even-handedly executed and handled. As things have gotten much less reasonable, I want to say within the last 20 or 30 years, people's rights have fallen away in the face of perceived safety an inability to truly be able to administer conflict resolution in in an adult and even-handed manner polluting polluting polite discourse by allowing individuals who do not have a firm grasp of what conflict resolution is 
this usually revolves around individuals who have either lived an insular life or sheltered, as it were, or people who are underage. When you have people who aren't within the age of a specific level of reason, rationale falls away to their primal needs and their selfish wants. It's why you can't generally have discourse with people within a certain age bracket. Obviously, this is this the the, uh, the age bracket where you usually have the most crossover tends to be teenagers who start to dwell who start to delve into interpersonal relationships of some kind and young adults who are just generally getting into the general population of adulthood or at least taking their first steps into that if they're not weaned in a specific way to allow them to grasp that what they need to what they need to do is listen to all sides of the story to be able to get the empathy necessary to really just be a good person to other people and allow them to live their paradigm because essentially the way rights are to an, on an individual basis are just an exercise of a person's paradigm within the legal parameters of the society they live in the problem is is when you allow people who do not have an open mind within these discourses and you allow them to fully i guess infiltrates the best way to put it infiltrate these groups they change the uh percent they they changed they change consensus in a way that makes things that had normally been considered straightforward you, you know reflexive freedoms and rights into something that is much more murky and it comes from the fact that the majority of those individuals don't exercise those freedoms themselves and they therefore believe that they don't that that other people don't need it because they believe that their paradigm is paramount in the in in a more general situation which is absolutely absurd to think that because you can't reasonably make that kind of assumption because you aren't that person is not the same person as you their lifestyle where they live who they are at their core ultimately will determine what is the best course of action for them at least in their at least for their perceived path so, so you you making a general dictum towards that individual that could potentially hamper or or hurt them in some way creates this cascading effect where you have a bunch of communities who aren't who don't share the same belief structure as bigger cities or larger uh, cultural centers collapsing it on themselves because they're they are now oppressed by the weight of changing laws and rules that they never had to contend with to begin with because everything was already laid out for them in a way that works for the great for the greater good for their community okay so from what i'm gathering so far uh there seems to be at least a conflict of interest when it comes to uh the diverse in cultural and i and ideal ideologies uh spread across uh, a given a given nation with that being said there is a question that i have does it fun is it functional is it no is it right to have a nation that is so essentially multi, so diverse where it's gone to the point where it's almost completely random the direction in which the citizenry want to take the uh uh the progression of the nation because other nations don't necessarily have that you know that same problem at least not to the extent 
that we have at the particular moment or is it right that for the sake of freedom for the sake of righteousness that we maintain this level of uh this level of diverse thought so that people can be given the opportunity to you know to vote to to voice and uh, take part of their own unique ideologies you know within the acceptable parameters of course if we're not if we're excluding you know the overreach of certain uh, of certain uh, ideologues where you know they they censor or outright you know purge others as part of their ideology Well, as far as that particular situation where you start to have what, what is referred what what is referred to as purges, at least in in the context of what you're referring to, there is it, when you have that level of clash at that point, it's not necessarily it, at least from my perspective, and th- th- again, th- this is what I see on a, on a daily basis, and it could be completely different from what other what other people see. But when you have that, when you have situations like that, where you have the level of infiltration of a specific viewpoint into a greater cultural cultural cloud, it tends to, and you have these quote unquote purges of philosophy and thought. What ends up happening is those people who are jettisoned from the main group often is a reflex create their own create another group but the issue at hand ends up being is you have the you have the 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 playground rules of i want to play the game that you're playing well you're not allowed to play it and then they tell on they tell on the group to the teacher the teacher makes them play and then they're not having fun anymore for whatever reason and the group disperses and does something else it's literally playground it's literally playground rules but in in an adult format which is extremely baffling um, now, my question to you, because you've been asking me a lot of questions, is at the end of at the end of the cycle, because this is what this ends up being is this is a cycle of situations where you have some where you have a, it's usually generational in nature and you can go as far back as um, the founding of our nation, if you really want to be technical, because most people who most people use the standard example of. You know, generations tend to weed out different things that are in vogue or something or things that are culturally or socially acceptable or that are considered rights or freedoms within a certain certain uh, uh, chronological paradigm, such as dueling, personal duels of honor, that kind of stuff. I think that what you have to my, my question to you ends up being is as technology t- is in, uh, it, I'm sorry as technology is ever moving forward in whatever pace you believe it's happening where personal personal relationships uh, dynamics change uh, change inevitably in one way or another do you believe that we'll hit a point where there will be a generational shedding of specific culturally accepted rules and things at least to the context of which in which you and I are aware of with our consider with our age there will always be a change of general acceptances of the majority of what it is to have certain rights uh there is not a there will never be enough of a consensus where things will remain uh remain at a particular state for too long and that is likely to the that that is likely contributed by the rather i don't want to say but it is the rather radical thought that is that sweeps across the nation um in a span of years we see it from we see it from our universities we see it from our colleges we see it from 
our we see from from our uh, social media uh there is not there is n- there is not a site anywhere in which radical thought is not being applied anywhere and the and as we've seen especially in the past 5 years we are seeing ever more ever more radical thought being uh released more spouted more and more as time goes by uh it just seems to pick up steam from one from one uh ideology to another so i think at the very least at this particular pace things are only going to change that much more over time and whether we see that as a positive or a net negative i think we will only find out once the aftermath is uh is shown and that might sound grim to you guys for me i'm a cynic so you can't help i can't help but uh see it that way but for all we know there are people out there who are optimistic enough who can see the opportunities being built as things go as things come and go so my question to you is when those situations occur are they are they inevitably irrevocable or can we change course and salvage specific things there can always be an there is always an opportunity to change and undo things however if i wanted to be so cynical about it the way you do that is you fight extremity with extremity because the unfortunate truth of the matter is is that the only reason why such radical thought exists is because it's left it's left to no one to let these thoughts fester and prosper I'm not trying to speak for radicalism, not at all. But I'm saying that the way radicalism works is that it only it can only be built when it's left unchecked. And the only way you can fight radicalism is if you do so with extremity. It's the unfortunate truth. Okay. Well, yeah, because it, the the action reaction scenario that plays out demands that there is a equal amount of force placed against the the okay. radical the radical paradigm that's being fo- being foisted at that point. So I agree with you on that particular Correct. concept. Correct. It just has to be checked. It just has to be checked because on if it, rarely does rarely does both radicalized uh sides ever cancel each other out they usually just uh clash until one side prevails and then continues to spread its uh uh its uh its ideology so the way to the way to neutralize it is to make sure that the that the two so- that both sides become neutralized instead of leaving it to one to conquer over the other it is a constant clash between uh oppo- both opposing sides that will never end for as long as both exist so in this particular cultural age that we currently live in we must acknowledge that both sides are heavily uh, heavily uh corrupt with ideas that are either outdated or absolutely nonsensical. I think when it comes to, when it comes down to things that work in a particular chronological culture for lack of a better term things will always fall off and and you and I can agree on that. My problem and I have many when it comes to the radicalism that we see in both directions 
is there's never an evening. The, the, the swings literally become so wild in one direction or the other that the collateral damage done to the, 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 the space in between is irrevocable, leaving, to, leaving you to the point where there are no rational minds left because both sides are all subsuming. And it leads to a catastrophic failure of society, in my opinion, at least if if thing if current trends continue. And that to me it damages personal freedom, it damages overall freedoms, especially in our in our particular society, to the point where there's going to be an there's going to be an inevitable shattering. And in a way that may or may not ever be able to be hemmed back together. And I think that when it, when you get down to brass tacks, we're at a cultural nadir as far as creativity is concerned, as far as exercising of rights are concerned, because of the necessity of safety that has been been instilled almost nay programmed into society since 9-11 happened we've i think i think i think we can go further than that because i think you make an excellent point when it comes to the problem with the problem with the idea of safety is that we've become so comfortable with our modern first world lifestyle that any interruption to it will frighten so many people and it's become a crutch to the point where we want to invoke extreme means just to try and maintain some semblance of that lifestyle which unfortunately has only worked against their favor because what we have seen thus far is when we give them when we give the government a little bit of that freedom that they promised up, that they that they promised to return, they never do, and find many more excuses and other, and other rationalizations just to keep it. We keep seeing it so far with this pandemic. We keep finding out there are more reasons than ever before to maintain your masks and get vaccinated. And now it's no longer a single booster shot. You must now get multiple booster shots on a bi-weekly basis. It's like, so you are continuing to maintain your positions of authority that we've provide that that we've willingly given up, even though we were promised the return to re, the return of these uh, of these rights when this was over, and it seems like you're extending that time frame almost as if though you are refusing to surrender those those rights, and that's or uh, return those liberties back to us, and it's. It's obviously pissing off quite a few people to this point, to the point where if we see an example of another nation, I'm not going to mention it, but I think you might know, uh, that's on to the point of near revolt because as they crack down even harder than we have, the people there are no longer standing for it and they're defying their government wholesale. Well, getting back to when it comes to bodies of power, government, parliamentary power, things like that, built into its framework is a driving need, and obviously this depends on who's in the driver's seat at that point, to acquire more power, more material wealth, because in their minds, those things tend to equal greater prosperity for those whom they govern that's on the that's on the neutral end of things as i said depending on who's in the driver's seat their specific philosophy on how that actually gets executed 
ends up being the catalyst for what they end up doing with the powers given to them for however long they have them. And they may not believe that the time frame that they are given is long enough to be able to execute specific plans that they may have to better the the uh, the culture in which that they control to a to a specific extent. And that and, and that honestly is where we where you start to see that situation, especially with the example that you're using. It's literally stress testing at the end of the day, if you look at it inadvertently, because I don't know, I, I wouldn't imagine this is specifically done just to see, just to test, you know, to test the, the, those people's resolve. I genuinely think this is a pure and unadulterated power grab in, in the face of a situation where the, the government has been given carte blanche to do whatever they feel is necessary in the name of quote unquote safety. And they've hit the point where it's a bridge no further and its populace is pushing back rightfully so tyranny should never tyranny in the guise of safety is never something that should be continued to be pushed and anybody who believes as such is foolish beyond reason and if and again if I believe it was Ben Franklin who said it those who sacrifice those who sacrifice freedom for safety deserve neither and lose both and what we're having in this situation is there's no longer a need for the safety that is being provided because the the constant belief that these people that the people that are, are under under their sovereignty as it were are too dumb to realize what they're doing even though there's been a more than a year and a half at this point for those people to one acclimate to specific methodologies to s- slow the spread six feet distancing, masking when not feeling well, all that other wonderful stuff. Most in that particular continent are vaccinated as far as I know, and those that aren't, well, they have personal reasons. That's where the, that's where you have the, the, this issue, again, where we clash with personal freedom. If people have religion, religious or health exemptions for getting the vaccine, then there's nothing that you as a government can do about it to make them do so. Because any execution to make them do that could cause irrevocable harm to them in one way or another, whether it be spiritual or biological, depending on the the extent of the medical exemption. But it doesn't matter at the end of the day, because there's a certain level of fervor that has been whipped up in, in the global population that this is something that needs to happen regardless of the consequences. And it's pushed further and further by people who are so, are so particularly over-worried about situations that are well beyond their control to begin with. And I want to, and I want to take a moment to take a, take a strike at those, at that, at that particular fallacy that has been foisted through the internet and on media. So that if you don't, if you don't get the shot, if you don't follow the rules, you don't this, then you'll kill grandma. First of all, we're all mortal. I'm sorry that you keep forgetting this because you're so worried about such an intangible foe and what it might do to you or worse over, what it might do to people who are well past their prime of functionality in some cases. And this isn't a slight against old people. But when you look at the way things are and the sinking ship and the sinking ship survival philosophies that are in place, the weak generally are cast aside in those situations, and a lot of people are treating this situation as a as a lifeboat survivor situation, unjustifiably. But this is the mentality that they have. So throwing that so throwing that back at them, my belief on that one is quite simple. If you're so concerned about those things, then you specifically should divorce yourself from society. Moreover, if you're vaccinated and your grandparents are vaccinated, you should basically, you know, sell off all of your wares and go live with them because you want to protect, perpetually protect them because they are unable or incapable of defending themselves in any meaningful way against any situation that's in front of them. Because in your opinion, they are too weak to do so. So well, their their counter argument would be 
well, why isn't everyone doing what they need to do necessar- necessarily to uh, to fu- to combat this particular pandemic? And I 100% agree with you on that, but, you know, I'm going to go ahead and bring out the, you know, I'm going to bring the devil's advocate questions here. I'm ready. That was one of the questions. Why isn't ever, why should they have to, why should people have to essentially overcompensate their own protections when it can be just as easy if everybody applied the same minimum effort? Because it's not minimum effort to every person. And that's where the distortion lies to those particular people. They believe it's the easiest thing to do because it was easy for them or it was easy for their circle of people that they know. But it's not easy to every single person. And it's that lack of interpersonal awareness that makes those individuals dangerous because the by any means necessary viewpoint is the thing that costs the thing that costs lives. Okay. If that's being said, then if we can acknowledge that not everybody is going to have that same minimal threshold to do what they can to protect themselves, what about the ones that do and the ones that refuse? Let's be honest, not it's it's not that high of a percentage of people who are unable to meet the requirements, but there are plenty of people who refuse to take the requirements. Who's, that can, but won't. And those, and to those people, because of personal freedoms, they aren't at liberty to give those reasons unless it's to a medical professional. Some indiv- some indiv- some person on the street ranting and raving because the people won't get shots is their right to do that in the face of the other of other people's right to not vaccinate themselves against the against COVID-19. Mhm. But do, do I personally believe that that people should avoid the shot? It depends on their personal situation. But I genuinely believe that there's nothing wrong with the shot in and of itself even with the perpetual, you know, changing rules and oh yeah, I forgot and goalpost shifts that have been happening. Because as I said before, at least I think I've said it, I don't remember if it's actually been brought up in a previous podcast or if it was something that we did in a recording that died. We'll say when it, it now. When it comes to scientific when it comes to the scientific community versus the general population, the philosophies and, and methods used by each group is are completely different and in sometimes antithetical to each other. So when a theory is tested in science, it's tested, it's tested at infinitum until it is perfected to the point where it's no longer, no further tests are needed to perfect it. When it comes to a situation that is an emergency, like with COVID-19 and the other SARS viruses that are happening, situations like that are ever changing because of mutations, because of, because of environmental changes, because of individual biologies where you have to create a dragnet scenario to figure out the inform- the data necessary to get the largest swath of the population protected from something that could potentially kill them. Because of this, things constantly keep changing. And when it's presented to the general public, who does not think the way the scientific community does, you have, a, you have this detachment that, se- that happens with the general public. Because you can only keep their attention for so long because they have things to do. Especially if you want these people to keep society running. That's what my problem ends up being is that there has never been a moment where these people have gone out of their way to be truthful in a way that's palatable to the general public because they do not feel it is necessary to speak to the lowest common denominator to be able to instill in those people a level of trust in the process. And I've talked with other people who've gone, well, they should just trust it on its face. People need to be more critically minded. People have nine to five jobs. They're worried about their personal their, their personal wealth and personal health. Those are the two major things that most people give a, give a crap about. And when you get down to brass tacks, if you're hindering somebody 
in either of those avenues or one for the other, you have a lot of explaining to do in a way that's going to be palatable for them to accept your dictum. Further further moving the goalpost because something changed in the science that you have to now re- reacclimate and, and reevaluate doesn't work for the general public because they don't care. Agreed. To them, you told them 15 days to slow the spread. That's what they believed. And we're now almost two years into this situation. Are we in full lockdown? No. But I wouldn't call it anywhere near the original normal that we were at now. And there's a lot of people, and there are a lot of people who are calling this the new normal because we're now in a point where the virus is endemic, which means it's now our new flu that we get to have a shot for every fucking year. Pardon my French. It's fine. But no, you're absolutely correct on the matter. Uh, there's even come to talks where people, where apparently our government's actually legitimately discussing another lockdown. So it's not impossible. This is no longer outside the question anymore because now that we've already done it, it's no longer an if but a when. And we, and it doesn't even have to apply solely to COVID either. It could be another another pandemic of a different virus altogether. We now know that it, the, the government now knows that it that it worked before. It can work again. And the problem can, is, it doesn't work again because there's the the problem is is there's a push and pull that happens with this particular situation. It's already been exemplified with Australia. You can't that, keep that is, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting this, expecting different results. That and is only so. It, if, that is only so if the people succeed on on the protest. If they fail, they're going to do it again. Because as long as the government can maintain control, they're going to be. It, it's still fair game. That's the problem with when it okay. That's the contrast between Australia and the way we function. What you'll see is balkanization when it comes to our situation if things get too draconian, as if they haven't already in most cases. Something that Destiny said a while ago was was something that I absolutely agree with when it comes to the situation. When it came down to the initial response to COVID, when it came to the U.S., we should have done one of two things. We should have either completely and utterly locked down, instilled instilled universal basic income for however long was necessary for us to remain locked down for the virus to disappear, or we should have never locked down or instilled any kind of restrictions at all from the beginning and just let the virus take its course. I agree a hundred percent with this viewpoint because of the because of the way viruses function. You either starve them out because they don't they don't have any any applicable targets anymore, or you create enough people with enough immunity where it doesn't matter whether people catch it or not because eventually general herd immunity will kick in and pretty much supersede anything that comes down the pipe, no matter what the mutations end up being. So what we have is half measures done across our entire uh, entire country because each state was given carte blanche to do as they saw fit. So when you have 50 states doing 50 different methodologies on their t- take of how to deal with the CDC's guidelines, you are going to come up with 50 different results that are that uh, in d- in differing levels. So where yeah. we're at now is even if you wanted to lock down again you couldn't convince most of the states to do that anymore. Well, and the numbers getting larger and larger by getting larger and larger by the day because the a lot of these states are just like we're not doing it, we're just going to let nature take its course at this point. Well, the way to remove that uh, that obstacle would be to would be for the federal government to completely take over. Yes, that's always the, that, that's always been the option. But the problem with that is the blood cost for that would be would be insurmountable because oh, if you believe, if you believe that if, if you believe that the federal government's just going to come through a state and say that we're in charge now <clears throat> wholesale and supersede any governmental uh, parameters 
And you think those people aren't going to lay down their lives to to keep their freedoms? Um, you're delusional. Agree. That's, that's just action reaction. While there may be states that will acquiesce because a lot of those states generally have the democratic philosophy of a larger government, federal government. When it comes to the red states, unless you're willing to pay that pay that blood sacrifice, I don't see anybody going to go out of their way to do that. <sighs> Especially because a lot of those red states generally don't care when it comes to threats of violence. You can tell that by a lot of the by a lot of the threats that were made by the by the current president that were basically laughed laughed away. So, yeah, that might also though attribute to the current reputation of said president. So, you know, you know, take that with an asterisk, I suppose. But yeah, I get your I get your point there. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, and when we get to the general meat and potatoes of it, when it comes to recognizing and valuing rights and freedoms, those things should be those things should be constant. You don't have you don't have to believe or agree with everything somebody does, but if as long as it's within the parameters of the the, the law that's in place of the land, you just have to you just have to tolerate it. Then you don't have to accept it. You just have to tolerate. It at the end of the day, a lot of people won't accept every, won't even tolerate every single aspect of the law. Let's give one example. If we want to talk about Texas's abortion law, uh, while the while it's technically still legal, its restrictions are well draconian at best, and many people are not happy with that no with that law at all where they are actively trying to get that law repealed as well as other measures from one if we want to talk about that one particular actress who said hey have a sex boycott no sex with men until this law is completely re- repealed good luck with that one but <laughs> By the way, it's it. I mean, there are people that will absolutely, because at this, it's a red state, and it's not a law that is completely unpopular. There are people that still agree and 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 believe that is a that that that's something that shouldn't be done in terms of, you know, in, for their own personal beliefs. But there are plenty of others. Who believe that that's a right that it should be natural for people to have, and it's essentially been, you know, robbed of them, and they won't like that. They won't take that lying down. Nor should they, if that's a situation that they find themselves in. But as far as the abortion, the abortion question is concerned, it's something that has been. A constant, absolute headache. Yeah, this is something that's been, like, okay, you will need to understand. This is something's been in the in this country itself. It's been they've been fighting this sort of thing since the early 1800s, and the question on abortion itself has been has been on the table since the 1700s. This is something that. As long as there's, you know, fervorous people with, uh, with extreme ideologies, it's always going to be up to contention, no matter what. It's unfortunate because, you know, if you look back even further, abortion has been a thing since, what, for the past three thousand years. It's been, this is something has been done even since during the time of the Assyrians. It's been, it's, it's almost part of. It's almost as old as our modern society. Like, well, well, significantly older. But the point is, is it's all. It's almost always been a part of us, whether you like it or not. Yeah, but 
you know, then again, so is prostitution, and prostitution is one of the oldest professions in, in in global society. And yet, it actually has more of a right than abortion has, at least in the state of Texas, it does, and that's insane. Yeah. The problem ends up being, and this is something that even that that uh, even specific comedians that I follow have stated. There, there needs to be a definitive answer to the major question about the nature of life and existence as it stands. When, when, when is life considered? And once that gets a concrete answer in place to be able to solidify a set of laws that make sense we're going to continue to have we're going to continue to have this constant spiral the reason and- why i don't think that's going to happen is because i don't think that question can be objectively answered and even uh, even if well, if you're talking yeah, about scientifically, yes. Scientifically. I don't think it could be objectively answered. And let's go on the grounds if it could. I would not believe that any side would, any one side, or I should say, I wouldn't believe that both sides of the argument are going to agree with its answer, no matter which, no matter what it is. Because there's never, because both sides are so heated and, you know, rooted in their convictions that they're simply never going to accept the answer if it contradicts them. Well, there's nothing... uh, When it comes down to ideologies, piercing into the heart of those particular situations is much more difficult. Well, the the reason why I mention it is because whether we like it or not, it's these extremities that shape our rights. It shapes the way we construct law. It's not something that is done so on a moderate level. Whether we admit it or not, many of the laws that we uh, that we respect, that we the rights that we have, it's due to the extre- the extremities of ideologues over the centuries. If you look, but if you look at the situation in the United States specifically. The, the situation that we have with regards to abortion is there is ironclad rules in place and on a federal level. But the problem is, if you look at the way it was administered, even its greatest proponents in some cases question the value of Roe v. Wade's existence in the greater context of the battle for uh, battle of pro and anti-abortion because it creates such a murky pool that it's very difficult to be able to move around in a way to get a greater consensus on. And when you have situations like that, moreover, Roe herself, when she finally revealed who she was, regretted her decisions. At the end, yes. And that was probably the biggest shocker you know, for those who are strongly pro-choice to ever hear from, because that is absolutely insane. And clearly they weren't happy with her regret, which, whatever that means. Well, she also had a, had a religious um, resurgence and that's and she, found, she found Jesus as far as that was concerned, and it was one of the reasons, as she put it, one of the one of the regrets she left in the in the uh, baptismal pool was Roe v. Wade, and it's something she's she's come to regret and she's come to look back on in a situation that she believes is reprehensible because of her actions. Well, Do I agree with her? Do I agree with her viewpoint? I don't think I'm in the place to be able to make that decision. But if I had to make an educated statement on it, the good that it depends on your perspective of the good outweighing the bad as far as that particular situation is concerned. Whatever good that may have uh, 
been made as a result of Roe Ro v. Wade. Unfortunately, whatever she now believes, she's going to have to carry that burden for the rest of her life. Well, so, she's dead. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, she's dead. Her, okay. her statements were made prior to her passing. She passed, I, I want to say she passed early 2000s. Okay, so, yeah, I'm totally off on that one. Fair enough. It's just, a, again, it, it just is what it is. And, and again, we, we're allowed it, we're all humans, and we're allowed to have, you know, look back on something and believe we should take, take in a different action. Because sometimes you only get one uh, one chance to make a decision on something. And, something and on when it comes page, to something yeah. groundbreaking as litigation like that, you can look at it and feel some level of some level of remorse on what you have done. Couldn't agree more. It's definitely it, going to be the. It just is what it is. It's it's human nature. But when but when you get to the brass tacks of it, what we have now, and especially on both sides, there tends to be dispute on the value of Roe v. Wade as something that can progress further. It's it's stuck. It's stuck in in limbo. It can never go one way or the other because of the very nature of how it was constructed. And because of this, laws are meant to be something that evolve and change as society grows and necessity changes how they function. Roe v. Wade can't change. It's a static in a, in a, in a constant shifting, or ever shifting world. I couldn't see why it couldn't change. As complicated as Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade was, it was never, it was never believed that the Constitution itself was something that could change either. And yet we've made amendments um, that added to the Constitution over the centuries and one that included overriding a previously made an, a previously made amendment in the first place. So it's not entirely impossible, but I will agree that I will at least uh, agree that there will be a tremendous amount of of legal and paperwork that would need to be done before uh before roe v ray roe v wade be amended in the first place the problem with that is it goes back to what you were saying yourself the ideologies at play here would never allow the ball to move in one court or the other Oh, absolutely. Of course. We are already dealing with that to begin with. There was already talks amongst the Supreme Court about uh, checking Roe v. Wade and the, the and the pro-choice uh, ideologues were up in arms on how on how it could potentially be overturned because they couldn't pop. They can't fathom that uh, they can't fathom the current Supreme Court. Uh, being capable of doing anything but overturning it because that's all they can, that's all they believe that they can do and that's also the reason why the justices have gone to conversations about altering it in some way because at the end of the day they've looked at it and said that and and, and this is something that I've heard from again this is this is what I've heard on the grapevine. These may not be actual conversations that have... Uh, th these may not actually be the full mean potatoes of the conversations that were placed, but there needs... But a lot of people in, in, the, in, in the law world, as it were, have stated that it just needs to be rebuilt from the ground up to create an actual more cohesive law. There is no way to amend it because of the way it was put into place in the first, in the first juncture. Okay, and that's, that's when, and that's why you have a situation now, and and you factor in what you were talking about before with this perpetual, extreme push and pull by the pro by the pro-abortion and anti-abortion groups. You wouldn't be able to get pen to paper to be able to create something different, because as far as the as far as the the, the warring factions are concerned, Roe v. Wade is the hill all of them are going to die on. So you can't make any you can't make any considerable alterations without 
creating a terrifying cascade effect that may that that could potentially affect the way society functions. Yeah, because ironically, this is something that either side refuses to compromise, and I think that is the <clears throat> excuse me. I think that's the ultimate failing of our nation. It's it's that we're refusing to compromise, and because we refuse to compromise, we are essentially cracking at the seams. Yep, because the ideologies that we've been holding together for as long, the the, the, the melting pot of ideologies, viewpoints, philosophies, uh ways and mores that we've had that have been bubbling and bubbling inside like a cauldron have eventually gotten to the point where they've scorched and boiled over the at this point it's just a matter of watching to see what the collateral damage inevitably ends up being because of the overstressed the overstressing of of society of american society as a whole well that's literally what we're waiting for is the is the other it, we're waiting for the, the the other shoe to drop as it were with regards to this most people at this point say that say that we're, as an empire we're at the point where we're, we're at the collapse point many people have said that we're already past that point i feel like that's a bit of an overreach because again there without any clear definitive statements to the statements to either confirm or deny these situations even with the whimper bang philosophy in place at some point there has to be an individual in a higher authority group making that declaration whether it's done so by an opposing force or done so by the government itself well that's what I was about to say i was going to say i don't think we personally can make that judgment i think only those outside the empire can make that declaration because at this point in time you can make the argument that everyone still sees an empire but whether that's the real deal or an illusion we'll have to wait and see indeed and lord knows what happens when that when, when that when that uh, fallout happens well i think with that being said I think we've had yet another meat-filled episode. What do you think? Uh yeah. I think at the end of the day, ultimately to summarize everything, when it comes to rights and freedoms, depending on where you live, it, 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 it's there's always going to be a difference of execution. But in the context of where we live and how freedoms are administered, they're inalienable for a reason and they should not be suspended for anything including a health health situation alteration or or quelling at that point is fine with regards to health situations but full suspension of freedoms is anathema to the way that we function as government and as a people with that I just want to add that no remember folks that with everything that we have mentioned everything that's spoken out all rights begin with the individual it all starts with you how you permit or restrict is all up to you with that being said thank you so much for listening in We hope you enjoyed this discussion and feel free to leave a comment voicemail below and we hope to see you next week for another episode of the Tiki Bar. Set sail. We'll be right back before you know it. Thank you for listening in to the Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. We are humbled that you have given us your time to listen to us discuss things. If you would like to hear more from us, you'd like to see more from us, uh, I have personally a account on Twitter 
under the name of Ragnarok Knight. My co-host here also has an account on Twitter as well. He goes under the name of Punk Toast. We also have a Facebook page under the name of Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. If you would like to uh, check that out for updates on when we have our sessions. We also have our voicemail link in the show notes. We will be having voicemails read during the course of our records going forward, as long as there are voicemails to be re- uh, to be listened to. Um, any further inquiries on that, uh, do feel free to PM either of us on Twitter, or you can go through the actual Facebook page to ask us any queries as well. Thank you so much to all of you. Safe travels to you all. Cast off, friends. <laughs>